live from the heart of San Diego and Little Italy. Wow, I got that backwards. The heart of Little Italy live from Live Mana Worldwide Studios. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude with the Mayor. Wow, we are being heard live for the very first time on Spreaker. And guys, if you're listening on the radio right now, you're listening on the Edge Radio Network uh, we are butchering these intros, and so, yes, this is a real show, I promise, it's a real show, but we are playing around with technologies and learning the proper intro, but that's what happens when you're basically rubbing two sticks together to make fire, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are coming to you again live from Little Italy, San Diego, and this is Morning Gratitude. I want to give a shout out to the Facebook audience. Um, you can watch us live, uh, Spreaker. Uh, the <laughs> I'm butchering these. I'm butchering these intros so bad. It's so funny. Um, it's really not for radio geeks. This is like the faux pas of what not to do on the radio. But we are learning. Good morning. So we are being heard live right now on Spreaker, and we're being heard on live on the Edge Radio Network. Um, pretty soon we will be live on YouTube. But we are definitely live on Facebook Live. You can check us out. You can see what's happening over here. Um, for the radio audience, we got this puppy started on Facebook. Um, we have been doing live streaming for the last couple months now. Uh, again, this show is Morning Gratitude. We've changed the name 15 times. But now we're just going to settle in with Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. Um, but the Facebook audience is where a lot of the action happens. We do not have a call-in feature yet. But really, the uh, Facebook audience is so much fun. And uh, you can comment. And just frankly, it's cra- it gets a little crazy sometimes. I want to give a shout-out to my lovely Facebook people. Nick Harris, John Whitwood, Carl, good to see you, my friend. Nick Harris... Uh, Alev, Enos, all the way in Jordan, good to see you. Jamie McCormick, good morning. Kim, Mary, good to see you. Nate, what's up, my man? Kim, great to see you. Good morning, everybody. Um, (laughs) So we are streaming live for for the very first time on Spreaker. um, And we are also now in our third day. Today is Wednesday. We are on our third day on the Edge Radio Network, and I could not be more excited. There are so many amazing things happening, um, and it's just fun. Like I, so the radio audience needs to know this because the Facebook audience gets it. I'm a little bit all over the place, and I keep tinkering with things because I want the right feel, I want the right flow, um, and so I've been playing around with a lot of different stuff. So bear with me on the intro, but the fact is this. This is all about gratitude, and this is all about um, bringing everyday people on to share their passion and purpose, because it is our belief on this show that we all are God's children. We are all equal, or we should be equal, and we should all have a voice, and we all have a message that someone needs to be, that needs to be heard. So that's what this is all about. So that's why Morning Gratitude, we start off every show talking about what we're grateful for with our guest. Um, hopefully you're inspired. We may make you think we may piss you off. We may make you cry, but we sure as heck are going to do our best to inspire you and be a hundred percent authentic all the time. So welcome speaker audience. Welcome the edge network or the edge radio network. Damn it. I'm going to get that eventually in Facebook live. I love you. Lovely people guys. I want to give now it's time to intro, um, a dear friend of mine. I, um, 
So I grew up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I'm sure you guys have figured this out by now. But one of the things that, you know, it's a little bit different there. You know, it's, it's you get, I graduated, I would say that it's, it was like 98% white people. I think that's probably accurate, 98%. And, you know, when you don't grow up seeing people that, when you see the majority of people that look just like you, it, 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 you know, differences can be, well, you don't really know what to think. You know, it's like, oh, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. And, you know, and for whatever reason, that can mess with people's head. I was very, very blessed to have parents that taught me that everybody is the same. We are all God's children. And no matter who you love, um, frankly, whoever you worship, even though we are uh, Christians in our home, um, we are all God's children and we all deserve to be treated equally and be giving, given a fair shot. Well, my first year in high school and in Oklahoma City, high school is 10th, 11th and 12th grade. Um, I was a sophomore and there was a senior in high school. <laughs> he was the most intimidating looking guy I have ever seen in my life. And I was scared to death of him. Because he was this amazing football player, amazing athlete, and just loud. Just freaking loud. Like, if you think I'm loud, oh man. I think I learned this from him. But I, I gotta tell you, I probably would have spent my high school years being scared to death of this guy. Had he not come up to me as a little pup, a little jaguar, as we were, and he showed me love. And he, and he always gave me respect. And because of that, I think that the way that I viewed the world and my travels and moving to different places has been dramatically changed. And he's just, I, 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 I love him to death. I love him like a brother. And I've, I've watched what he's been doing in Oklahoma City and just believe that this guy has got tremendous talent. He's got an amazing gift. Um, and he's just somebody that honestly just I, I love and respect. And he's got an amazing message to share. So without further ado, I know him as Ahmed Cooper. Um, he, I don't know what the heck he's going by now. I, I maybe <laughs> he's going to have to explain that. Um, but I love him, and and I think you guys are going to love him too, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as he's listed on the show, A. Jafar Cooper, but I know him as Coop. <laughs> I'm intimidating, bro. <laughs> Man, when I was. When I was a sophomore in high school, you were intimidating. You're like six foot five, built. I keep having these Greek gods on the phone. I mean, on the show. And dude, you were so menacing looking, and you just abused quarterbacks. I mean, and and I was scared to death. But you were just this amazing, just amazing soul that just we were. You were a leader. You took people under your wing. You didn't. I mean, you, sure, you jack around with people, but you didn't. You weren't hazing, and you weren't being a bully. You were just a kind, awesome dude. And as I've now known you for over twenty years, that has just carried on. But now, what I love about it is that you've taken on this mission to inspire and fight for social justice and other things, but doing it in a way to me that is rational and makes perfect freaking sense. But before we get into all of that, my man, I want to ask you, what are you grateful for today? I, I, thank you for having me on, first of all. I, I do love you, like, bro. 
Um, I ended up with the, with the turmoil that I was raised in. So let me kind of give you a little background to that. So uh, I'm one of seven kids, one of eight kids now. Wow. Um, and that being said, we lived in a, I went to 13 different schools. 13? Uh, 13 different schools. I lived in a, a, a battered uh, woman's uh, shelter in Eden, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I lived in just about every government project there was in, in, in Oklahoma City. Wow, and I had no idea. Then I was blessed with two fathers, one that raised me and one that made me. The one that raised me passed away, and his money from he's a Vietnam veteran and, he, and a post office veteran, very educated. He, he planted a seed in me to, to fight for against uh, injustice. As, even as a child, he died when I was 11 and a half or 12. That mm. said, his money got us, his insurance money got us out of a, out of a housing project. And from Kirk Village, right across from Dale Building, uh, I had no idea that we were poor until we moved out of, out of the housing projects we lived in. I didn't know anything about Westmore. I didn't know anything about any of those things. I knew that I had family. I knew that I had a house over my roof over my head. I knew I had friends and a bike and, and, and love and food. And my world really opened up. You know, as a as a kid, you don't you don't know what you don't know. You, I, I lived around drugs and gangs and violence. I've seen people shot. I've been in a drug house. I didn't know it was a drug house. My mother probably didn't even know this. That was raided by the police. Before I was ready to buy people who were robbing drugs drug home houses. And they put me and my three friends upstairs in the bathroom while they while they then pistol with the gentleman and asked him what the drugs and, and, and money was. Police came in and pretended like we didn't know what was going on. I can tell you so many things that most people don't think about me. I am judged by some people that think by being too white and some people that being too black or not black enough. That's because, but I know that I have a gift. I lived in Enid, Oklahoma, where my first swimming pool was a cow feeder. <laughs> uh, I so, and I met friends who my father was in the Vietnam War, who who met this guy in Vietnam and came back, and I was raised around these kids. And we lived in housing projects. That being said, I'm grateful for the fact that I've seen from the best of the best and worst of the worst and didn't realize it. And it made me uniquely who I am. I see past what most people can't see because they, like you said, you're raised in kind of a box in a bubble and you're afraid. People yeah. are afraid of what they don't know. I was running blind and ignorant, not knowing to be afraid of anything, not knowing to, to, to dislike anybody. And so I was loud and brash coming from Oklahoma City public schools, alternative schools, and private schools. And I came to Westmore, I was like, wow. Wow, look at this. Look at these facilities. Look at these people with all this money. <laughs> and so, that being said, it has opened my heart and mind up to love all things and realize that some people are ignorant. They, they may speak, it sounds like, hey, but it's out of ignorance. Some people, I heard friends, friends this day use the N word, and they didn't realize that it wasn't okay because their parents didn't feel that in them. So, I didn't hate on them for that. I saw this opportunity to educate them. And so I know that I have something to bridge people together, and that's my whole goal right now in life, is to be a service to people and bridge, build, uh, be a bridge builder and rebuild the village and so that we can come together as one. When, so my only impressions of you were at Westmore. And, but what is, I, this is, what, 
I, I really, I, I want, I don't want, I'm not going to be careful how I'm going to ask questions. I'm just going to ask them because you know me and you know what I'm about. What is it like to go into a school as an African-American at that age and being young? I mean, you were young, like we we're kids to go into a predominantly white school and, and just fit in, blend in and be a kid and be a high school student. What is that like? Well, I, I'd actually been prepped in junior high because so I'm a Kimo West junior high. Okay. And I was prepped for it because I didn't realize that they, we scared the daylight out of a lot of these people. The teachers, the, the faculty. <laughs> well, you were bigger than all of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, what, my, my maturity level, because what I've seen uh, growing up in, in all the uh, environments I've been in versus to what most kids had endured and lived through. I've seen and learned a whole lot more, and these teachers were afraid, like, wow, these kids. You know, room house, you know, they know too much and things we did. So my adjustment phase came in junior high. And from junior high, I kind of figured out I had to spend an extra semester in ninth grade before I went to high school because I missed my uh, semester test. They would let me take them over. And so at that point in time, I said I had to get my stuff together because it was a, a hard transition from Oklahoma City Public Schools. It's actually all Oklahoma City Public Alternative Schools that got kicked out after my father passed. And I started going crazy and just acting out. And then from that point, I going into more public schools, I had to adjust and they said, if you want to play football, or you want to be a part of, of school, you want to graduate, you've got to change. And then I've had some teachers and principals and uh, they kind of helped me make that adjustment. So it, it was, I can't say it was intimidating because I was running blind. I didn't know what to be afraid of. I didn't know what, what to, who to respect, who not to respect. And, and to a certain extent when it came to pick kids, we were going to fight. Me and Kiko Rubin and my brother Omen was going to take on Kiko. <laughs> we were going to take on a whole eight, a ninth graders football team versus and me and my brothers, and they didn't want any of it. I wouldn't either. Kiko was tough. Oh no, we lost him. Oh no, there he is. Got on the school bus that day. They all came to see this big battle royale, and come to find out that seat into high school coach first. Or Delta told us that before we came to Westmore High School, they had almost a whole faculty meeting about Ahmed keep on rooting, about we gotta be ready for these guys. We don't know what they're gonna do. They didn't know if it was gonna be gangs and drugs and stuff. They thought we were just like, we're not even gangs, we're not even drugs. And so I was like, Are you serious? And the funny thing about that, wow, they found out I was the guy that they went to when there was issues. I was the president, I was the president of the side, I was in the council and your council leadership class doing the morning announcements and, and, and multiple uh, sports. And it's funny, it's that's why I learned you never take the book by its cover until you take the time to open the book and read some of those pages. That's awesome, man. I that is something that has always stood out to me about you is that you are a leader. I remember that and and as I've watched you on Facebook and we've only seen each other a couple times since I've graduated but you you were were and are an exceptional leader but where did you when did you decide so after football's over you get you go to college you get out of college you start working when did you decide to take that energy that you had to lead and transfer it into what you're doing now and i want you to talk about what you're doing now when did you make that decision and how did you make that decision okay so i think the seed was planted I'm learning more of this even this last two months about myself. That um, I 
I end up leaving, leaving right from high school, and I was going to be a police officer in my mind. My aunt was a police officer. I've been around police officers. That's what I was going to do. Until I got, and I realized what, what it all entailed, and then I started getting football scholarships just about everywhere, you know, offers. But they, they weren't, it was a lot of chatter, but I was not prepared. My mother did a good job by raising her eight kids and keeping us out of jail and making sure we did well for ourselves. But she didn't, she, she didn't, do, she, she wasn't able to prepare me to go to college fully. So I went to a junior college to play football, and I absolutely hated it, loved it. <laughs> it was nasty, horrible, beautiful, pitiful, great, wonderful. It was all these kind of things. And so when I left that scholarship, I still had co coaches calling me through Coach Delbeck saying they want you to go back to NEO. And I figured out I was going to try to go get on, because, oh, you promised you a scholarship if I finished up at NEO. And I did, and I walked away from it. And then I kind of just jumped around. I had a girlfriend that said, what are you going to do with your life, my man? You had all this promise in your life, and you just job hopping and just living your, your life by the seat of your pants. Like, what are you going to do? And it was a wake-up call because a career went bad, the relationship went bad, and I was like, what's going on in my life? So I knew I had to start. I left Oklahoma. I, I started with the Soul Food Festival. It was a festival outside of music, vendors, food, and all stuff. You name artists from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. 15 states and nine cities I started traveling. And that didn't go well because the guy kind of tried to take advantage of me financially. And I was living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. And that made me move to Atlanta. And at that point in time, I became a vegetarian. I stopped eating meat. I became celibate and I stopped watching TV. And that celibacy happened for a year. I watched very little TV right now. And I, and I finally made it to a full vegan uh, at the new year. Wow. Uh, close to almost a teenager. journey. And that's when I had the awakening. Being alone will make you strong. I had a lot of people around me when I was here in Oklahoma City, and they, they were, a lot of people were feeding into me, they were taking from me. And I had to get by myself to push out all those voices and listen to the seed that was planted, planted in me as a child. And that's when I figured out, I looked, I looked at all my friends from young, from baby until up now, and I saw how many of those people that didn't have parents to pour into them and tell them you are not of this situation. Stepping stone in your life, you can have more, do more, be more. And I start waking up and seeing those seeds in the plane. I said, I have to give back to those kids who don't have parents to pour into those. Those kids that live in those housing areas who don't have, whose family are five or four generations living in housing projects and will never leave. Right. I, I and my parents told me it was a stepping stone. So I thought about when all the racial tensions started rising again. I thought about it being killed watching Rodney King on scene. I said, I have to be that voice. I have to. If I made it out of that death and seen all those things, I made it out for a reason. I, I, that's, that's the way I pay the rent on here on Earth is to feed those who don't have those uh, those influences, those positive influences around, and who pour in and tell them they can have more, be more, see more, do more. And so that's why I live. I'm a, I figured this much out. I am here to serve this world, my community, the city, the state, the uh, the country, and then globally after that. And so, what I'm doing right now... Yeah, I want to hear about that. So, um, let me just put in this. So, I, I am a, I am a, a brand ambassador for, for a brand called Michi. It's a, he's an, it's a gentleman who's an art, uh, artist here. He brought started a brand to, to reach kids, the images, and particularly African-Americans, for kids because their reading scores are so low. Typically, typically, we don't read very much at a young age. And so he reaches out through animations to, to, to reach kids to images that they look like and talk about similar uh, situations they've been in to connect them. And he's been blessed to be able to go, they, they're wanting him to take the same program in Africa. And so he has an audio book 
and he has a, a paperback book. And so I'm a brand ambassador. We're going to start doing a whole lot to reach to, to broaden his brand and reach more around the city, state, and the country as well. That's incredible. What? So I want to. You have taken on your very big. Um, one of the advocacies that you've taken on, of course, is social justice or social injustice, um, and also women's rights. Tell me about that. Okay. So I am actually sitting in a library right across from the Oklahoma County Courthouse building. Uh, let's say three and a half years ago, maybe close three and a half years ago, there was an uh, officer, uh, Daniel Hobbsclaw, who was arrested uh, for uh, allegedly raping up to, we know up to 13 black women uh, in, in the northeast side of Oklahoma City, which is the predominantly black side of Oklahoma City. Um, and these are, uh, the 12 of those 13 women are, were considered on the lower spectrum of, uh, of society. And so that's what why they believe they were preyed upon. And so if you hear some of these stories, some, one of these women was raped inside her own house. And they all had either a drug pass or, or some kind of bus to background or something in their background that he used leverage against them. If you don't do this, I will do A, B, C, and do this. So I'll fast forward, the last woman that he sexually assaulted happened to be a woman that didn't have a criminal background. Good morning. Didn't have a good criminal background and she actually spoke up. She spoke up to a de uh, detective and the detective trusted her, he believed her. And then from there she started coming back all these layers and she started her own investigation. Then from that point, uh, she filed charges. Uh, and believe it or not, Jay Coffey, we went to high school with. Yeah. We went to high school with a bunch of uh, police officers. <laughs> Jay Coffey was trained this officer, Daniel uh, Hobbs-Clark. This guy had a shot in NFL. He played NFL nonsense. But it's long story short. And so we had a friend uh, who knew one of the young ladies who was sexually assaulted. The family members were sexually, sexually assaulted. And we met up at a place called Urban Roots in the Deep Deuce, historic Deep Deuce district in Oklahoma City. Every Tuesday night, uh, and it was Urban Roots where it was all artists, open mic night. If you rap, you sang, you dance, spoke work, everybody was welcome there. And she said, we have to do something about it. And I said, we definitely have to do something about it. So we started uh, using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all social media to, to let everybody know what was going about that. So every time there was a court case, we had people upstairs in the courthouse tweeting, Instagram, and using information on Facebook. And so from that point on, it was one news station caught on, 25, and they all, Oklahoma City news station caught on. Wow. And then Tulsa, then Lawton, then Dallas, then Chicago, then LA, New York, then Al Jazeera, Al -Jazeera caught on to it, because they, they knew that we had all the information. And so we quickly formed a group called OKCRs for Justice. And so when people wanted information, you had some of the parents of Trayvon Martin's uh, attorney, their, 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 their parents, his attorney, came in. You had all these people come in, and from that point on, it blew the case wide open when he was being released from jail for violating his bond. We were there. And so from that point on, the world found out about it. And we helped secure a 263-year verdict against him from being locked up. And this is the fact, as a police officer, any, any public servant, you are there to protect the lowest and everybody, especially the lowest in, in our society. And he actually used his power to abuse those women. And so we, I feel that uh, my mother was abused. I lived in a, a battered uh, women's shelter. Wow. So I know what it is to see a woman or your mother to be abused and not be able to defend herself properly. And so that was something near and dear to my heart. And I was, I'm the only male that sit on, sits on that board. And that I was always there protecting them when we were uh, protesting. And you know, police, people called us all kind of names, all kind of names. They, they said, get a job, 
you're garbage. You're not. And they spoke poorly of us just because we were standing up for people who didn't have a voice. You know. What? And so that's what, what what we've done with that, and we're working. We worked with the city. We met with the, the mayor. We met uh, uh, not the mayor, the chief of police, and the city manager into implementing uh, uh, the body cams. And we've actually negotiated with the um, what is the chief, the the police, the FOP, Fraternal Order Police. Uh, and they're rolling out cameras that will be on every officer. They're just really kind of looking for the best interest of the officer, I believe, in so many ways, to give some balance there so that everything is not recorded but only what's needed. So that's what we're doing with that. So is that experience, has that experience helped you have a, a respect for the police? Or do you, is it a complicated relationship? It is definitely complicated because I always have respect for the police. I always have. But it's funny, as soon as you start questioning the actions of the police officer, then people want to make you anti-police. And I'm not, I'm definitely, I'm pro-good police. I, I and, and so I'm, I'm for good police and I'm I, and against bad police, okay? So I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-good police. And so it, it, you see it is a twisted line. I've lost friends who are police on, who unfriended me on Facebook because they saw, I was on TV a lot, you know, during this purported time protesting and raising my voice for these uh, women. And th- I guess they saw, they saw the one, one side. It is multifaceted, it's not one-sided. Because I'm against this bad cop, that doesn't mean I'm against all, all cops, only bad cops. I was, I was raised around an aunt, aunt who was a police officer. I wanted to be a police officer. And I know that that is a daunting job. I, it's, it's, it's thankless in many times. And, and so I, it, it, is, it is a very complicated relationship because on one hand you see the work that they have that they're in, uh, on, on a daily basis and it's not always black and white and I get that. Some things are, but some people want to label you or to be an anti-cop and against Blue Lives Matter and all this stuff. And, I, and I'm not. I, I am about the people first and, and I'm a really, really good police officer. You know? And it, it, the thing is that you, know, you have... You have pastors that are pastors and that are great pastors and they really are men of the cloth. And you have scumbag pastors. You have good cops. You have bad cops. You have people that make a living on motivational speaking that really use that opportunity to prey on other people and their weaknesses. There's, it's, it's, it, there's good and bad and, and everything. And there's a choice. And to label anybody based on what they do for a living I think is wrong. But... It's different, you know, with the relationship with the police. Obviously, I'm, I know it for a fact. I get the benefit of the doubt, even though I've been in jail six times. I get the benefit of the doubt because I'm a white guy. And I look more menacing than you do. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, come on. Give me a break. I look way more menacing. But yet, I do know for a fact that I'm going to get the benefit of the doubt over you most times. And that's, that's, that's even with African-American cops. What's up with that? That's a weird thing. It's it's a it's a mindset. It really is a mindset. I understand that once you, you know, there's a, the, the Supreme Justice actually upheld a ruling that the police are able to discriminate against individuals who actually have an IQ that's too high. Did you did you realize this? It was a, it was an officer. <laughs> one I don't know what particular state you, you guys can look it up. Who applied to be a police? He, he applied to be an officer. Rather. And his IQ test was so high they rejected him. And he said, "Why did you reject him? Since you, you didn't like to try IQ tests too high." 
and it went all the way to the Supreme, Supreme Court, and they upheld the ruling. Wow. And so you have to think about this. In many cases, you have to have more people in the police office who are willing to go along with the system rather than to challenge it. Because if you're busy challenging the system, you can't do you can't go, go about the business of doing what, what you're being told. Unreal, man. And so I can tell you, I've been arrested on two occasions, and both times unjustly. I had to fight for my freedom. I was mistaken for Jacob Eric, who was six foot one, two hundred seventy five pound black dude. I was putting a horse trailer. This is the ninety seven. Putting a horse trailer at the state fair as a holding cell with zip ties. Um, and I was transported to wow. downtown county. And I stayed in the county cell. And one of my friend's brother's friend, uh, his girlfriend's working. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, it's some BS. And I was in the holding cell. And I called my mom. I said, this is something I never thought I'd do. And I called her and told the situation. Long story short, they said I was attempted to, to burglarize a, the, a vehicle, a motor vehicle. Long story short, I went out there with a group of friends. And our car wouldn't start. And our group of friends, another group of friends followed us. Anyway, one of the guys that followed us jumped in the back of a pickup truck and was fumbling through a uh, toolbox. I never stood, stood in the back of the truck. The guy that owned the truck walked up and was right, right, ready to fight cowboys and stuff. I said, whoa, whoa, me being the peacemaker. I was like, we, you guys don't have to fight. Everything's cool, you know? The guy walked up and police came back and uh, it was, uh, it actually was Keith Holmes' cousin. He, he, was in the, he left. And so we could, our bill was unmobilized. We couldn't go. And so, long story short, the sheriff police came up on horses, the sheriffs came up on horses, and they put us in cuffs, and it was raining. I, we, we asked if we roll the windows up, and we said, the car's like, she said, you guys are dirty anyway. I said, this wow. is wrong. And I spoke, I spoke my voice. And then as soon as the police off, the Oklahoma City police pulled up, she said, he's going to be the guilty one. He's doing all the talking. So I spoke, I was the guilty one. And from that point on, it took me five years to fight for my freedom. I dropped out of youth school at UCO. I was working to work full time. Uh, I had three or four uh, uh, attorneys drop my case because I didn't have enough money to pay them. Oh my and God. I finally found Lori Combs. She took my case. And uh, she took my case. And they offered me a five year deferred sentence every time. This happened, this took over two years of my life. Um, and I and I finally, I, they, I went to jury selection. They offered me five year deferred sentence for years and years. It's like, no. Long story short, they said, I want to got to jury selections. They finally heard a part of my story. And at that point in time, they asked me to go to the back office and they wrote me a letter saying, they asked me to bring my seat. They asked me to bring a witness. I brought a witness to corroborate my story. They wrote me a letter apologizing to me. And I, and I keep that letter for always. I got copies of it. I usually have a copy to, uh, to take the job uh, uh, interviews. Long story short, I keep that letter always with me. And, and, and I had that $9 check with the cash they gave me from the cash out of my pocket. That being said, something, it, it is what it is. People don't realize, I don't, I don't want, I'm not the woe is me. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. Right. I've been pulled over so many times and asked, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And once they look at me, hear me talking, they're like, oh, okay, you're not that type. You're not that kind. But I, I can tell you, I, and it's, I can tell you, I know it's been because of my skin. My skin. But that's what they're taught to police. Black neighborhoods are always overly policed in typical white neighborhoods. I lived in white neighborhoods, you know, I'm from Westmore. And I knew kids that were doing drugs. I always had drugs. These kids never got in trouble. And I was in the car with certain people who were Latino or African descent. They would harass us. Keep on rooming, got 13 tickets in one year for one cop harassment. 
Officer Travis Hovis. I don't say your name. T. Hovis. <laughs> We're not going to get sued, are we? We go to more on the strip 12 Street more. We would get harassed all the time. What are you guys doing this neighborhood? You don't belong here. And I understood. It's just a mindset. But I learned this much. It's how you react God. in that situation that makes you able to survive that situation and fight that to fight that battle in court, you know? Okay, this is my last question um, okay. before, because I know you, you... No, 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 no. I want you back on because we have a lot more to go over, man. Um, but I want to know, and this is actually... Uh, God, we had so much to get into, too. Um, how, how did you keep... You don't have a chip on your shoulder. I know you. I know you. You have joy in your heart. You have compassion. You have love. How did you keep... How do you keep from having a chip on your shoulder and being angry knowing how you've really just been mistreated because of the color of your skin? How? Oh, I'll tell you this much. Because you know, I have to stay off the social media when you see certain things about race and then you want to comment on certain things. I have to stay off that because I know those people are living this kind of mentally have lived in this kind of box. And so realistically, how I stay that way, because if I veer to the left or to the right, then I'm not, I'll lose all my uh, effectiveness. I won't, I can't be effective then. If I have a chip on my shoulder, it's, I'm already been stereotyped by certain people who have not lived in diverse uh, environments. And so I'm already fit to stereotype by so many. But if I veer to the left or to the right, I fall into, 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 that, into that category in, 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 their, in their eyes. And then I, I can't be effective. So I have to main, remain positive and focused, and, and so that I I can actually reach the reach the eventually reach the masses and share my stories and actually be that glue that conduit to bring people together for those who have missed those certain things in life. Because I see two, I, I have friends who are really good people, and so they, one person asked me, "How can you be friends with that person because he's a big artist? How can you be a friend with this because I said, "Really, you guys are both have fallen ignorance." You guys are ignorant on some on certain situations because you have you guys have not lived that uh, have the, the lifestyle to be able to, to bridge that gap between you. So I can't change who I am. I cannot because if I do, I would have failed myself and the masses I'm supposed to come in contact with. This is why I love you, man. Um, I want you back on the show. Um, I am so grateful for your time today. I I, I, I cannot say it enough. But um, I'm blessed to call you a friend. And in someone that I've just looked up to the major the last the last twenty years of my life, so I hope to see you again soon. Um, I definitely want I want you back on the show because we have a lot to talk about. So thank you, my friend, so much. Um, again, such a blessing to have you on. Josh, thank you for having me on, and I feel like um, there's so much for us to cover. Uh, we have a whole lot of things. Not plugging anything, but just so much to cover, and I, I truly feel blessed to, um, to have to have been on your show as well. And like I say, like I said at Cobb's uh, wedding, these are the times that are special because when we first met each other 20 plus years ago, we never thought we'd be doing this. We didn't know we we're going to be connected for life. No. So that is that is a testament to where where we can go to join together and, and join forces and bless the masses and, and help bring. Uh, Together in this distraction world. Yo, you are my brother, and um, I'm no. I, it, you are going to be on sooner than later because I know for a fact we have things to talk about. Um, but I love you, man. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you very soon. Okay.
Love you, Josh. Take care. Thank you once see, again. See you, my man. Freaking A. Um, so I we had about 50 other subjects to get into. Um, but, you know, sometimes conversations go where they go. But he's somebody that has a wealth of knowledge and some of the things that he's doing and the fight that he's taking on is a fight that most people wouldn't take on. Um, you know, injustices, there's a lot of different types of injustices in the world, whether it's sex trafficking, uh, abuse, uh, you know, racial issues. It, it, there's just a lot of stuff that happens in the world that we kind of turn a blind eye to sometimes. And he is somebody that's taken up the fight and the way he can do it with no joy. I mean, with, with nothing but joy is inspiring to me. So speaking of inspiration, he's making faces at me. He's in the lobby right now. You guys know, um, if you got I'd really shout out, a shout out to the speaker audience listening live, a shout out to the edge radio network listening live. So welcome. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining the show. We um we are streaming live on Facebook, so you can see what's happening. You can see uh, this guy making faces at me right now. But if you've been with the show for a while, you know how much I adore uh, our next guest. Uh, he's a mentor, he's a friend, and he's just uh, one of the most inspiring people I know. I can't look at him because he's making faces at me right now. But um, ladies and gentlemen, you know the man. You know this guy. <laughs> He's, he's now he's blushing, butthead. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Oops, I took myself off camera for a second. Please welcome Lauren Harris to the show. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Why is his face frozen? Oh. There you are. How you doing, Lauren Harris? Oh, man. The thing said only you could see me. <laughs> No, you, I'm the only one that could see you, but that's why I couldn't look at you. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> really quick, I want to give a shout out again. Thank you so much to the Spreaker audience, uh, the Edge Radio Network. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to Melissa Hall. Jordan, my man, good to see you. Stephen Gordon, as always. Brian Mount, Enos, uh, Glenn, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Penny, Tia, wonderful. Brian Mount, thank you guys so much for joining the show and your comments. Um, and if you are listening on the radio right now, you can absolutely join us on Facebook. Just look up uh, Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude or just look up Joshua T. Berglund and you will find us streaming live. We are with the amazing, one, a world-class speaker, a world-class performer, uh, just an awesome guy, studio musician, Mr. Lauren Harris. What's up, man? Oh, not much. How's everybody? They can't talk back, but I'm good. <laughs> they can type it back. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Oh, man. You have a topic. So, first of all, we have to do this uh, because it's the rule of the show. What are you grateful for today, Lauren? Being here. Absolutely being here. You know, uh, it didn't have to turn out this way. I'm taking these off. Aw, I love you too, Melissa. <laughs> and I'm just... You know, I'm grateful for everything. I know people are saying like, yeah, 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 sure you are. But I'm serious. I'm grateful for everything because um, it's not about what it looks like on the outside. It's about what we choose to do to understand it and apply it to our daily process from the inside. So I'm grateful for everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, all of it. It all, as long as it can eventually uh 
push me to the next rung of the ladder, I'm good with it, honestly. You are. And and you really have that attitude. And for those of you that already know Lauren and you've seen him on the show now twice, maybe even three times, you know, um, you know that he's the real deal. I mean, he does an amazing Facebook Live every morning called Bathrobe Moments. I almost wore my robe, but my chest hair was a little funky this morning, so I decided not to. Um, but you wanted, you had a topic, and I, this is the best thing. So when I have guests on the first time, it's more of an intro and people getting to know them. But when they're asked back on the show, it's really to carry on the conversation or just this show another level of your depth and what you're passionate about and what you care about. But you brought up a subject that you wanted to talk about. Would you like to share it with the audience? Oh, for sure. Um, lately, I've been constantly, it's been coming through me, through my spirit, in my mind, when I'm awake, in my subconscious, in my brain, uh, about the urgency of accomplishment. How important, hi Robert Stern, I'm great. Uh, the urgency of accomplishment, how important it is for us to get it done. Just get it done. And if we're not, to put some urgency behind why we're not. I mean, there's just entirely too much complacency in the world in general, but let's just bring it in a little tighter uh, to where it applies to us individually. You know, um, I look at the opportunities I have today, you know, listening to your previous guests and speaking from the, the place of an African-American male or just a person, you know? I look at the opportunities I have today, uh, no matter what I've lived, what I've gone through, the fact that I'm still here, I'm sitting here right now, and that every day I wake up, I have an opportunity to do something that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, people in my shoes couldn't even dream about. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, you know, I remember the days when I used to ride city transport you know, the bus, and I'd always sit right behind the driver, and I used to wonder why, you know, my fellow African Americans would get on and run straight to the back seat, you know, and uh, so I was reminded of that, of that about a month ago when I was in Birmingham, and I went to the, the um, Civil Rights uh, Museum, and I just stared at the Rosa Parks statue for about 10, 15 minutes, and I thought about, uh, how she could not have known that I would be standing here thanking her for that moment that she got it done, that moment of accomplishment, you know? And so today it's, it's, it just is something that is deeply uh, within my spirit about what we need to talk about as far as the urgency. And when I say urgency, you know, a lot of people are focusing on the word accomplishment. But the, the, the real word is urgency. You know, whenever, if you're, you know, I feel like we as individuals should look at our bodies as an ambulance with the lights and the sirens on. Get out of my way, pull over, let me through. I've got something in here, I've got valuable cargo that cannot die en route, en route to where I'm going. I need to get it there. I need to get it there. Because um, it's not about getting my message there to save my message. It is that. But I feel like we need to get our messages 
to uh, wherever we're headed uh, to say what's there, who's there, those opportunity intersections in life where the law of attraction has mandated and dictated that the moment we professed out of our mouths that we believed in our calling, that we believe that everything we've ever lived has a purpose and has a place, then once if you once you get to that point, you can't, you, you know, so many times we, we wonder why. Why doesn't this work out? Why isn't this that or the other? When, you know, once we say and decide two things, number one, here's what I want to do in this world, and then we show the creator what we're going to do when we get it, automatically the law of attraction says, okay, got you. Uh, people and opportunities are instantly dispatched on their way to meet us where we are supposed to be. And if we don't show up, you know, so it's the kind of thing you, you can't get up. I mean, I have them. Those days where it's like, ugh, ugh <laughs> here we go. But I had one today. I'm instantly reminded of the urgency that I get up and I get it done. Because this isn't the kind of thing and you sign on for it, whether you realize it or not. I believe personally that I signed on to this before I ever came here. Uh, I just don't remember that agreement that <laughs> time at the negotiation table when I said, okay, send me. But nonetheless, I still have to get up and get there. And I can't do it on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and every other weekend. I can't just show up on Easter and Christmas Eve. Um, my calling, my purpose in this world isn't based on some visitation rights. You know, here, Lauren, you get, you get your calling on these days and these weekends. No, I get it 365, 24-7. Every second, every moment of every day. And so, why is it? What do we do? What is it that we need to do to make sure that accomplishment is paramount in our world? The urgency that we don't forget and become complacency, complacent about how important it is to get it done. So, I mean, I want to know what people think. You know, how does it make you feel? Uh, you know, we know when we're on our game, and we know when we're not. And I'm finding that as my life progresses, as I step daily further and further into my purpose, um, into that spirit world, which is my calling, that I'm becoming bright. My husband made a comment yesterday when we were at dinner that he says, I've noticed that you seem to be more and more dedicated uh, to the people you work with in your coaching program that it seems like you want for them oftentimes more than you want for yourself and I had to think about that and it's true because you know just like uh, you know a lot of the speakers but primarily it takes me back to Zig Ziglar you know saying you know you'll always get what you want out of life if you help enough other people get what they want out of life and I don't think I've ever been happier I don't think I've ever been more fulfilled um, and more comfortable in feeling, having a feeling of, of safety and being embraced by something that controls this, this world. I, I feel its arms literally around me the further I step and walk within my purpose. Um, it's just an incredible thing. 
Uh, so back to the urgency. It's like this. You know, you hear uh, Les Brown says, you got to be hungry. <laughs> hungry. Hungry. Huh? I said hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you gotta be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't afford to just be hungry because I was hungry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Things didn't really begin to change in my world until I was able to acknowledge the fact that I'm starving. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Struthers should have been sitting next to me talking about feed little Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Did you say feed little Lauren for 20 cents a day? I know exactly what you're saying. I think that's racist. I don't know if you could see That's how I choose to look at my urgency today in my world as far as making an impact in my world, which is the world. It's like this, you see this plate? I got this plate right here. I used to go like this. I was like moving stuff around on the plate. Well, I'll eat some of this today. I'll save that for later. Put a little, eat a little, put it down. Eat a little, put it down. No, today, I'm scraping the plate. I'm getting everything I can off it. And I'm not only clean, clearing the plate with my fork, I'm licking it when I'm done. I'm serious. That's how I feel. I'm starving. I'm starving because of that urgency of accomplishment. Because you know what? If I don't consume everything I can that makes me a better version of myself, I have less that I that I can offer the world to consume. Mm-hmm. You see, you can't feed anyone until you have first fed yourself. Which means I have to get up every day with a sense of urgency to find my way to whatever tool it is that is going to make me better than I was yesterday. I tell people every day now, it's my new mantra. You know, I'm 56 years old this year on the 4th of July. It is a real thing that I have more life behind me than I have in front of me. And that changes. That changes how you look at things. It changes the importance. It changes how I, I, I embrace the urgency mm-hmm. of what I need to accomplish in my world. I want to get it done. When they roll that beautiful bean footage one day, which will have been my life, and I'm going to have to sit in a seat that I can't get out of and watch it every moment of that trailer. The last thing I want to see is all of the examples of what I could have done. Right. What I should have done. I want to see, even if it's one thing, if I just get one thing right, I'll be good with that. Hey, Lauren, I want to cut you off real quick. Um, so I, for the audience listening on uh, Spreaker and the Edge Radio Network and then watching on Facebook Live, those of you that are new to the show, I, I've shared this before, but uh, for the for the new people, a seed was planted um, several months ago by a friend of mine from Oklahoma City. He's an artist. Actually, the art on the wall over there and half the art in my house he talked. He, he told me that I need to do a daily live, and I I was nervous and shy, and it was like, well, I have nothing to say, and and then um, Cervex in Los Angeles, the very first Cervex, I saw Lauren for the first time, and just this 
you know, well-dressed guy and, 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 and everyone was coming up to him and just really nice. And I was watching how he was being with everybody and he was just so kind. And, but there was something inside. It was like right here for the audience. You can see, I could just feel it like right there. Just going, talk to him. Just say hi. Just say hi. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I just went up and said hi. And go, hey, I think I know you from Facebook. And we, like, it, it started from there. And then we started working together. We were having you coach me. And in those sessions, it, it was frustrating for me. But I got to know you. And it, and it really, and you were inspiring me. And you were giving me all of this knowledge. And I was having so many, but I was still having blocks. And then one day you looked at me, and I won't share it with the audience, um, but you said something to me that no one knew. No one knew. And, 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 no, and I'd never shared it with a single person about what I believed I was supposed to do in this world. And you said it to me verbatim. And then you also explained to me, without ever knowing this information, all of the struggles that I've had professionally, personally, spiritually, everything. And you just, you, it was like, you could see inside my head, see inside my heart. And, and every since then to call it an awakening, to call it a, a rebirth to call, I don't know what to call it, but it lit a fire in me and set me free. To the point that I've been able to relentlessly pursue what I believed I was called to do. So my relationship with Lauren and the reason why to this day, and it happened just again, the, the radio audience couldn't see it, but I had tears in my eyes because he, he breathes life into people. And, and he's someone that I truly know is the real deal. And we've become friends, but he's still very much a mentor to me. But he has a very, very special gift. And it's, it's, it's one of the most incredible things that I've really ever had the blessing to be a part of. And I've just always been so thankful to, I'm talking like he's not here, to you, Lauren, because of that. Because I am now living my dreams. And you were talking about, you know, being, having an impact on this world. All you guys that are listening right now on the radio or watching on Facebook that are familiar with the show that you, you want to call and, uh, and or you call or you leave messages or you, talk, you, you type on the page here on Facebook Live about me being an inspiration, thank this man. I mean, you can thank God, but this guy is, what set me, is, he, is who set me free. So this show and what it is and what it's becoming and what it will be was started with this guy. So, thank you. Thank him. Uh, you know, Joshua, I want to say one thing to you. And uh, I, I thank you very much for all those kind words. And it's what I have to say to the people listening and watching about this. You know, I say to people all the time, it's true. I do have a gift. I have a gift, and the gift came to me as I started moving into my purpose. And what it is, is I don't know how, and I don't question it or ask why. I'm just so very grateful and humble that God saw fit to, to share this with me. And he really does give me glimpses into other people's greatness. And I see it as clearly as I see anything that is in my waking world. But, the, you know, and, but what I love about people like you and so many of the wonderful coaching clients that God has brought to me, 
and have, 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 have taken me and brought me to them is that they're actionable people. It amazes me how the moment they hear that thing like you did, they do it. And it has an incredible impact on me. That is why, for me, the key word today is urgency. Because when I, I, you know the old saying, when you're asked to jump, you don't say how high. You just jump. Right. And you can only do that when you truly believe with every fiber of your being that there, number one, is something greater than yourself at work behind the scenes. Yeah. And number two, that you understand that you are, I'm the pen. My message is the ink. But my creator is that hand which controls the pen. And I don't have to come up with anything. I just have to be willing to let everything flow through me and realize that it will continue to do so as long as I don't try to force anything from me. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes every question into an answer. It, it justifies every test that I've ever had to live. It proved to me that it was always better to go through than to get around, get over, or get from underneath. It is the reason there is still breath in my body. It was that voice when I thought I don't even have enough energy to breathe. Mm. Let alone get back up. It is the thing today that makes me feel like that guy in those Western movies that's gotten that beat down in the saloon. And all of a sudden you think he's gone for the count, he's down. And then five minutes later, you see that one hand come up on the top of that card table. And then you see that other hand come up on the top of that card table. And you see him coming back up for more. And everybody's screaming, stay down. Stay down. They're just going to beat you down more. But he gets up anyway. You know, I used to live in constant fear. Fear of everything that voice that tried to destroy me used to whisper to me. You're not good enough. You'll never be anything. You are cursed. Look at what everybody else has gotten and is getting. It'll never be you. So you might as well just get on out of here. Check out. Do the world a favor. Kill yourself. <laughs> and I tried it on the installment plan. I had a layaway ticket a mile long that I just constantly paid on one penny of my life and my life spirit at a time. Until finally I decided, you know what, screw that, I'm going to leave that shit in the layaway. <laughs> I did. I just left it in there. And I walked away. And I walked into, I was a double showcase winner. Let's put it that way. You see what I'm saying? And I don't know about you, but I always told my creator, I showed him, number one, what it was I wanted. I asked him for what I wanted, and then I showed him what I would do with it. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best every day <clears throat> to stick to that promise. And it is an amazing thing when he's, he brings people into your world that have been asking those same things, that have been showing him exactly what they will do. Exactly what they will do. And it only takes one person sometimes to provide that gentle nudge that makes us believe 
What you say to people, what you express happened between us. That day happened for me. Somebody did the same thing to me. And so we all can have this. We all can do this. You know, when I close out bathroom moments and when I get off a coaching call. Did you say I bathroom moments or bathrobe? You said bathroom. You said bathroom I moments. What? You said bathroom moments. You said, uh-huh. yeah, you did. <laughs> it's ladies and gentlemen. It's bathrobe moments with Lauren Harris, not bat, not bat. <laughs> it's not. No. But you know what? I always tell people, you know, don't ever watch anybody's journey from a stargazer's seat. <clears throat> the fact that wherever you find yourself. Whatever you're feeling by watching their journey, listening to what they've achieved or accomplished or gone through, know that you are in that moment because you are in that story. Yeah. And that story is within you. Mm-hmm. And everything you see, everything you hope for, everything you know deep down, I was created for more. I was meant for more. It's true. Somehow you have got to reach around, do what I call applying the Helen Keller method. If you stop yourself because of things you see in the waking world, close your eyes and and fine tune. Let your other senses take over for you and feel your way to the promised land. Feel your way to whatever you need to hold on to to pull yourself back up. It cannot be another person. Don't put your eggs in any other man's basket. Put your put put everything you believe in inside of everything you believe in. Because you must believe in something. Start there. Start there. And find your way. I'm telling you, if we all just try this consistently, consistently, not every now and then, but get up every day. A little bit of something is always going to provide more than a whole lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. Baby steps will get you there. You know, baby steps will get you there. So, sometimes I tell people this and then I'm going to shut up. There was a movie some years back called Powder. Some of you might remember that movie. And there was a scene in that movie that always stuck with me, where there was a deer dying, where a hunter had, had shot the deer. And Powder could feel what the deer, the dying deer was experiencing. And he laid his hand, one hand on the deer, and then he laid the other hand on the hunter to let him experience what he had created. And I tell you, I wish for that power Several times every day. Because when you see something in someone else and they just won't see it for themselves, you wish it was that easy. Where I wish I could just lay my hand on you and get you to see what God has shown me you can do. You would never question yourself again. And, you know, 
it's amazing how the more joy you find within your own world, there comes the other side of the coin, which is the pain you feel for others. You know, my mom, on her deathbed, my birth mother, she said to me, she goes, I told you the day that you knocked on my door after 32 years of separation that you had created for me the happiest day of my existence because I knew that I could now die happy because I know you now. I've seen you and I know what happened with you. But I have one concern. I'm concerned that one day you're going to end up being a very unhappy, lonely man. And I said, why? She said, because I just know within my spirit you will always have greater expectations, higher expectations for others than they will ever have for themselves. And they will always let you down. But something told me then, and I told her, on her deathbed, Mom, I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong. Hmm. I cannot expect the best of people. I can't hope for any less than the best for others. And it's people like you, Joshua, that make me so grateful that that's what I left her with. And I wasn't wrong. And I know wherever she went, that she is looking out, she's going, you were right. So, in conclusion, I know that there's someone out there. And I know you're, you're saying to yourself, could that be me? Well, I have one word for you. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I, don't, I tell people all the time when I get off assessment calls, trying to find out if you're a good fit. It's not about where you find it, and I don't have to be that person. Because I don't choose people to work with, and they don't choose me to work with. What is greater than us chooses for us and provides us that synergy, which undeniably lets us know that we were meant to be together. So if anything, if any of you feel like that could be the possibility, then get at me. Because maybe it's not me, but maybe it's someone that I know. Get at Joshua. Maybe it's him. If not, maybe it's someone that he knows. But you can never stop seeking. You can never stop searching. And you can never stop searching or seeking without a sense of urgency. It cannot be an afterthought. It cannot be an whatever. It has to be something that if I don't get this done, I'm going to die trying. Don't stay at the back of the crowd standing to see if the people up front are going to get shot. Trying to make sure it's safe to go up there. Fight your way to the front of the crowd and be the leader that you are meant to be. Even if you change one life in this world, that's enough. And that life might just be yours. <laughs> and never forget, you may think you have nothing to say. And that's what I work with people with, is how to get their message out of there, where it can do some good. You may say one lie that will live on for thousands of years. Somebody 500 years from now will pick up something and read that one line. And again, you've changed another life long after your tongue has been silenced long after your spirit has moved on. To me, that's what Martin Luther King found. That's what Mother Teresa found. 
That's what Gandhi found in any other person that is legendary in that pantheon of legends. They found one thing that they could believe in within themselves, and they never let go of it. <clears throat> so I hope, that is my hope for all of you today. And I'm living proof, and I work with people every day that are living proof that it can be yours. But it has to be your idea. The creator can take no one across that finish line if you are kicking and screaming. So trust and believe, and you'll see for yourself. So thank you all. Love it, man. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Harris. That's feedback. Wow. Every time. Every time he comes on the show, he finds a way to get to me. I, I mean, he doesn't, he's not doing it on purpose, but that is him. Um, I've been blessed throughout my career to have great coaches in sports, um, but I've never really had one that quite changed my life like Lauren Harris. Um, I mean, it's so crazy because now he's a friend. I mean... We talk like we Marco Polo. <laughs> we Marco Polo together. And I don't mean swimming in the swimming pool. <laughs> but just. Wow, man. I. Um, God, I, 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 I actually want to go run through a wall right now. Um, you guys, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Everyone listening on the Edge Radio Network and then live on Spreaker. Uh, thank you, Facebook Live audience. Uh, what a day. I want to give a shout-out really quick to SoCo Cannabis Creations. Uh, you guys, if you – I'm a – as I've shared before, I'm a huge advocate for CBD. Um, I actually like cannabis because it's really great to help me sleep. But um, CBD has been one of these amazing things for me that has allowed me to get off of all of the medications that I was taking, psychiatric meds, sleeping meds, depression, all of that stuff. And – so I'm a huge advocate for CBD and, you know, as my experience in skincare and a lot of the brands that I've worked with, understanding the quality uh, is everything to me. And I, that's why I'm, I talk about SoCo. I do not work for SoCo Cannabis. They do support the show, um, but I, I'm, a, I, I'm a fan. Like, I use it. That's what I personally use and like it a lot. And so if you go to SoCoCanna.com, that's S-O-K-O-C-A-N-N-A.com. You can use the promo code LIVEMANA, L-I-V-E-M-A-N-A. You save 10% and get free shipping on all CBD products. Um, what would you guys think of the show? Um, I'd love your feedback, Spreaker audience. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear from you guys. You can join the party on Facebook Live. Uh, just really amazing comments. I mean, people are just fired up about Ahmed uh, Cooper. And uh, my friend, lifelong friend from Oklahoma, and then, of course, Mr. Lauren Harris. Um, I want to give a shout-out, to the, again, to the people at the radio, the Edge Radio Network. Um, you guys, I, the comments are great. Uh, Enos, thank you. Nick, all of you, so, thank you so much for joining the show. Stephen Gordon, Desiree, all of these comments. Like, I will get back. I will get, respond to the comments and questions. But you guys are really great. You guys keep the energy going. Um, you know, I... No, I only two people downloaded the Marco Polo app and sent me messages. So I really want this contest to work, but I need more people, guys. I love seeing what you're grateful for. I did get a couple messages and it was awesome. Um, but let's get some more people. 
Um, Because right now, Glenn's the winner. And that's not fair because Glenn owns the radio station. (laughs) That's that's cheating. Anyway, um, I wish you guys nothing but blessings today. I hope that the guests today made you think a little bit. Um, There's, I wanted to get a little bit more into it with uh, Ahmed about a few issues, but we didn't have the time. And um, but of course, Mr. Lauren Harris brought it as always. And um, you. I keep losing the camera. I don't know why it keeps kicking me off. Anyway, so you guys, um, you guys, like, take those words serious. Uh, you know, I, uh, everything that the, the inspiration that Lauren provided is, it, I don't even like to call it inspiration. It's truth. Like, those are all true things. The creator, God, God created you for that. That has nothing to do with a motivational speaker that's nothing to do with a guy behind the microphone like that this is not me those are god's promises you're all created for something great don't you ever forget that i'm not an expert um you know on self-help or personal development or anything like that i'm just a flawed human that is trying to do the best i can i'm i'm doing my best to learn how to manage conflict better. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to be a better man of God every single day. Try, yes, I want you guys to be inspired. Yes, I want you guys to learn something from our guest. And if I happen to drop a nugget every once in a while that has, you know, a positive impact on your lives, I'm grateful for that. But it's all within you. Like the point of this is all of the people that are offering inspiration day in, day out, those are God's promises. Those people didn't make that up. They may have found a clever way to say it, but the truth is, God is the truth. The power is within you that God put in you. We have nothing to do with that. And maybe I'm sabotaging my the audience, <laughs> but it's the truth. You have the power within you. You have the strength within you. I mean, it comes from God. You know, you, you all have purpose. You are all meant to do something great on behalf of other people. You can use those gifts for other people, but it's a lot more joyful <laughs> when you use them for other people. So guys, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Coop, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Um, all of you guys that support the show on the radio, Facebook Live. Uh, Thank you so much. I really promise eventually we're going to have like a real radio intro and everything's going to be smooth and we're going to figure out how to use these buttons. Hold on. Watch. Listen to this. (laughs) Hold on. God, that sounds terrible. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I found buttons that (laughs) I guess if I was a shock jock, that would become appropriate. But anyway, you guys have the best day ever. And listen, this is important. This is important. Find somebody that you haven't talked to in a while and tell them you love them. Reach out and tell someone you're grateful for them. And if you see the opportunity to help somebody, dadgummit, do it. Help somebody. That's what we're here for. Let's make the world a better place together. We can do it. We really can. Screw politics. Go outside. It's a beautiful day. 
well, it is in San Diego. But um, make somebody else's day better. I promise it'll make yours better too. God bless. I really am so grateful for you guys. Spreaker audience, thank you so much. The Edge Radio Network, thank you for all the support. God bless you. Facebook, you know I love you. Thank you so much. Have a great day.